competition is uh, not always bad. Uh, you can take a look at competition as a solution for making your product better, making your uh, marketing efforts better and find like something that will work for you. So you can always use it to your advantage. Hello and welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be your host and bartender today. I had a chance to sit down with Arax Nalbandian, director of digital marketing at TenWeb. And for those of you who compete in saturated markets, this episode is for you. You all know you either have a crowded, crowded category and or your competitive set includes some huge behemoth enterprise companies. Arax and I chat through common mistakes that SaaS companies make when competing in saturated markets, and there are three key takeaways that you will learn today. So grab a drink and sit down as I talk with Arax about mistakes companies make when competing in saturated markets. Hi, Arax. Thank you so much for joining SaaS Half Full. Hey there. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Awesome. And where are you calling from today? I'm currently calling you from Romania. And I understand what time it is there. It is 10.15 p.m. in your evening. So even more gratitude for joining me today as you are well into your evening. And I do hope that I'm your last conversation of the day. Uh, yeah, and I'll end, uh, like end the day on a perfect note. <laughs> okay, good. Well, we will uh, hopefully make it a very positive experience. But glad that you're joining me today. Were you able to mix up a drink to have with me tonight? Yeah, actually, I'm, um, mix up is uh, kind of uh, not appropriate here because I'm having just wine. <laughs> wine works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's evening time. Wine is more relaxing. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you. I, it's not appropriate necessarily time for me to be drinking at two o'clock on a Tuesday, but alas, here I am. Going back to one of my tried and true favorites, which is a truly grapefruit flavor. Arox was kind enough to join me to talk about mistakes that SaaS companies make when competing in saturated markets. And why I think this conversation will be particularly interesting is that our listeners really come from a wide range of SaaS companies. So we have founders from early stage startups all the way up to CMOs at publicly traded SaaS companies and everything in between. And whether you're a startup or a scale-up phase or publicly traded company, saturated markets are happening across all of those stages and phases. And sometimes you might start in a market or category where there's two players, and then five years later, it's highly saturated. So I do think that this conversation is applicable across stages. Arax, before we dive in, I do want to give our listeners a little bit of background on you as our guest. If you could give us an overview of your current role at TenWeb, and then also an overview of what TenWeb does. Sure, my pleasure. Actually, I've been in marketing for about 10 years now, and I've joined TenWeb team about two and a half years ago as marketing director. Um, I chose the company because I really like the product, because I've, I used to work in agencies, and TenWeb really solves a lot of problems that a lot of agencies and freelance developers face. So we practically automate website building and hosting processes, and um 
automatically guarantee 90 plus page speed score uh, for all the WordPress websites that the clients host on TemWeb. And uh, it was a great uh, solution for me as a previous uh, agency team member. Uh, and I really like the product and I'm happy to be the, a part of that team. So was this your first experience with a B2B SaaS company? You mentioned you came from agency prior. In the agencies, we had different clients. I worked with, on different agencies and we did have some SaaS clients there. But with a focus that my only focus is to this company, it's uh, the first one. So let's dive into our topic here. We're talking about mistakes that SaaS companies make when competing in saturated markets. Let's first start with how do you define a saturated market? A saturated market is a market where there are a lot of competitors and good competitors that have like, usually in, in the market, it's like this. There are, there's one big company that has a fair share of the market and uh, one smaller one but again good one and then there are little small ones that have like small percentage in the like market Uh, and basically being new in that market can be super hard to compete and it's almost always impossible to like outrank the giants and become a big giant in the industry We talk about uh, this with our clients a lot. We represent all B2B SaaS companies as a PR agency um, of of different shapes and sizes, but many of them have what we would consider these Goliath or giant enterprise competitors. Oftentimes, they're the large cloud providers where they might be competing with an Oracle or a Salesforce or potentially IBM, these large companies that we talk about it really more from like the media share of voice. And to your point, we're never going to overtake them. But how can we chip away and start to make an impact or, or differentiate and maybe carve our own messaging or niche? So we have these conversations with our clients quite a bit. Not all of them have large competitors, these large enterprise competitors, but many of them do. Or they might be competing with a more legacy solution that's been around for 20 years and, and has that reputation secured. I'm interested also to learn and see if there's mistakes that our clients are making that you know, don't necessarily relate to PR where we might be able to plug in. So what are some of these common mistakes? Oh, well, the first one, uh, actually, you just uh, talked a bit about it, is to uh, a lot of people don't identify their own niche. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. I think you, you know that very well. But it's really important to find your own niche. If you can identify your own niche, create a new niche even, it will help you to uh, get separated from that competition and build something on your own. Actually, that's what one of the things that we did at the beginning, that we just separated us from all the hosting giants and we created an automated platform a product that talks for itself like the name that talks about the product and actually there has not been like any automated like platforms especially for wordpress but we created the niche uh, that we are still uh, one of a kind and it's it makes a lot easier to compete in that market because you also have a product that matches the niche uh, then you can uh, just uh, be kind of uh, calm about the competition and provide unique solutions. Can you talk a little bit more about how companies can find their niche? So if I am a uh, maybe email security vendor, and that's my category, and basically me and six of my competitors, it's what we do, right? We are all email security vendors. 
What are some recommendations that you have to differentiate? How can companies start that process to uncover what their niche is? The first thing I would advise is to take a deep look at the product and see what are you doing differently than your competitors. What can you offer? And is there any gap in the market that you can add to your product that with that help to differentiate your product from the market? Second thing is to choose another target audience and other market. Uh, for example, if, as you said, it's in the email vendor, maybe your competitors are mainly like uh, different uh, SaaS companies or different uh, like agencies that use your um, email uh, system. You can find a niche that didn't even know that they need that, but you can offer them your product and they become uh, like a main character in that niche. Is that something that you found with 10Web? Did you start out being able to service everyone and then found your niche with agencies? Was that a process that you underwent as well? Well, we still offer our product to like a large audience, uh, also individuals, entrepreneurs, but we found in the process, in the process we find that agencies and freelance developers can benefit from the product uh, way more at this point because uh, especially for the automation tools, help uh, agencies to cut on their manual work, save time and focus more on uh, like getting more clients, spending more time on identifying their clients and so on. We um, understood that for them, it's a better solution at this point. I couldn't agree more on finding a, a niche. We are a niche agency. I mean, we exclusively service B2B SaaS companies and while that is a niche, B2B SaaS touches everything. So it's still a pretty big umbrella, but it's the best decision we ever made as an agency for a whole host of reasons, but it is our differentiator. There is a wide world of PR agencies, but we are the only agency that offers PR services to B2B SaaS companies exclusively. And it's easier to market, it's easier to sell, and it is a clear differentiator. And there's a saying here in the States, which is find a niche, get rich. And while it's not that simple, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I do agree that it is, it is more difficult when you are selling everything to everyone. It makes the messaging and, and sales of that product or service that much more difficult. Yeah, and you become a better like specialist or a better product if you focus on one niche because every tweak you do on a product, you're keeping in mind your specific niche. But if you keep in mind like different uh, target audiences, your product can become a mess and uh, not match to any target audience eventually. Something else that we had talked about pre-recording was this idea of established giants. Should you include them in your competitive set? Should you not simply because you're, you're fearful that despite any efforts, you'll never be able to compete and overtake them? Talk to me about that mistake when companies refrain from competition with established giants. I think you still should consider the uh, giants as competitors and uh, take a look at what they are doing, especially you uh, in your marketing channels. You can find uh, a lot of like a lot of information there. You can see that, for example, there is a gap in the marketing like channels that they are not using that you can utilize and get a lot of uh, like. Um, profit from there for example in the hosting industry when we noticed that 
a lot of our competitors, they are not on YouTube. They are not utilizing YouTube as a market channel. And uh, we decided to create a YouTube channel and provide informational videos there, educational videos there, but also talk about the product. And after a year and a half, our YouTube channel is one of our main uh, traffic sources. And it works greatly because in the industry, besides us, uh, there are almost no companies. There are a lot of influencers uh, that are providing content there, but there are almost no other companies uh, that uh, like provide hosting or speed optimization or uh, website building with AI, and they do have YouTube channels and provide constant content there. So you can use uh, like uh, giants in that way just to identifying if what channels they're using if, and if there is any gap that you can take over. And also take a look at the type of content they're using, at type of words they're using because they have been in the market for a while now and they have gone through a lot of mistakes and uh, A-B testing and trials and the version that they have right now is quite tested. When it comes to doing that competitive research and whether that's on more similar competitors and or the large enterprise competitors, who owns that research? The research part of competitors. Okay, so basically our company personally, marketing team has done that as well from marketing point of view, but also the product team does that as well. You need to do like competitor research to see what they're offering and what you can provide in the product from the product point of view and do a separate one from marketing point of view. Yeah, and I think that's important to note for our listeners because what, what I see most often happen when it comes to to trying to differentiate or, or compare against competitors, it's really on like a product feature set where we've all seen this sort of the SaaS template where it is your product and then six competitors and there's the columns and the check marks or the X's. And it really is looked at from a product standpoint. And while that's important, I mean, if I'm a prospect and I, I do need a specific feature, I'm looking for a specific feature, that's helpful. But that's assuming that I'm already in that consideration phase. And what is, I think what's oftentimes missed is what do you do in that perception or more brand awareness phase when they're not ready to, to purchase a solution and not the point where they're vetting vendors and features, but really more on that initial brand plan, how we're getting in the top of the funnel. And that's where that marketing research really comes into play where you're showing the gaps in marketing activities or marketing initiatives with your competitors and specifically looking at messaging. So I really like that idea of working together with the product leads, product marketing leads, as well as the brand marketers or demand marketers, whatever the team is, to figure out both sides of that. Yeah, those two teams like uh, need to work uh, very cohesively and need to constantly be in touch because uh, product and marketing, they go hand in hand. And they if they work together combined, then you can expect good results. And when it comes to that research, how far back should companies go? How far back do they typically go? And how do we, how do we know if the data that we are pulling is really telling us the bigger picture? When we're doing on the uh, competitor's research, I uh, really should advise to take a look at uh, how they grew 
like um, it depends like when their initial like exponential growth was and see what they did for the growth and then take a look at like the last year how your competitor has been like what they were doing um, when did they have like traffic spikes what they did for that i would advise to take a look at the last year and but also take a look at the year that they got their main breakthrough and became like a giant like they got their like main growth point and see what they did there because it's also important do you feel like that's something that most companies are doing or are they really only looking at recent history it depends i've uh, talked with different like companies and mainly i think 60, 70 percent, they are looking at like the recent couple of years, but it's important to uh, identify when the growth was and to see what helped them to differentiate in the market and maybe take lessons from that. So I'm hearing you say that, that a mistake that companies make are not going back far enough and looking at when that competitor hit their inflection point, what was going on in the market, what did they potentially do? as a marketing organization or from a product standpoint that really led to that tipping point as a company. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice. I mean, I'm taking notes here because even us as a PR agency, we do a competitive media landscape analysis for all of our clients against, you know, call it three top competitors where we're only looking at it from a press perspective. But we typically look at it from the past year, to your point. And so I made a note here to to see if we can identify when it comes to those larger competitors, or if it's a competitor that seems to be like the shiny object and they're making a lot of noise, really when that tipping point was. So thank you for that. I've written that one down. Happy to be helpful. The other question that I have is around measurement. So it's great to do all the research. And I think we've, I wrote down sort of three different mistakes that we've tackled, which was not understanding your true niche. I wrote down a mistake when you refrain from including the established giants in your competitive set and then not doing sufficient data research and and taking it farther back than you might currently be. But when we're looking at measuring against how you're faring in a saturated market, How do you measure that? What are some things that you would suggest? Maybe it's benchmarking, um, looking at over time, but to measure the success of those efforts in that saturated market. I think when you're new in the market, sure, you are trying to get more like a client, but it's also important to try to build brand. I think you would know like a a lot about it as a PR company, how important it is uh, to build a brand name. It's important to see, for example, how your brand name searches are like rising, how many mentions do you have online and see all the activities that you have done. If they have like impacted the brand name because even if there are a lot of giants in the market you still can get your brand known uh, to a specific uh, group of people and uh, for that group of people to start talk about your company because we know that when people start uh, word of mouth marketing like referral marketing works great and uh, you have more loyal customers in that way and it's the way to uh, build a great brand name as well so you need to pay attention at your brand name searches at your brand name mentions on different like social media accounts on different magazines and uh, 
especially the ones that you haven't worked on but happened organically. That is something that we measure is organic mentions. And it's interesting because from the PR side, mentions isn't necessarily something that you proactively chase or around which you create a strategy. But having organic mentions increase as a result of overall brand traction is something that's important to measure. Because if you took a snapshot, let's say 12 months ago, and very rarely were you mentioned alongside the top three competitors when stories about your category were created, and all of a sudden 12 months later, you're mentioned in 30% more articles where it's literally talking about the space and it says top companies include X, Y, and Z, and you're included in that, that is an indicator of brand lift and overall brand strength when you are starting to get those organic mentions. So I do agree that that's important to include in an overall a sort of brand strength. Yeah, especially from the product point of view, as we talked at the beginning, you can like provide a product that is unique and that you are offering something uh, unique. It will be like uh, way easier for you to get those uh, like mentions and th- that brand lift. I can even uh, bring an example from our company, Tenweb, uh, when we launched our AI website builder, because there are no any AI website builders in the market, uh, we did little to no marketing and little to no PR there, but we noticed like a huge brand name growth after the launch, like mentions in different Facebook groups, uh, different influencers talking about it. And the brand lift with the specifically the AI builder just grew significantly, even though there are a lot of like other builders in the market, but because we do provide, we're the only AI website builder provider, it helped us to get the brand lift like that. As you're going through the discovery process with your clients, I would imagine that you you dive into competitors. What do you say when you ask a client about their competitors and they say, no one does what we do, we don't have any competitors? Everyone always has competitors. They might not be direct competitors, like for example, if you're quite unique product they might not not be direct competitors that but they always will be some alternative competitors someone that provides something similar that you have like the same target audience or similar target audience you can always find competitors yeah we go through that same process as well and and we do have to to laugh and roll our eyes a little bit when we get that answer cuz to your point there is always an alternative to your solution Even if it's not a direct software competitor, you also might be competing with doing nothing. You might be competing with self-built solutions, but there is always another option than you. And so understanding what those are, I think it's very naive for founders to answer that question. There's always a reason that people do not buy your product. And you have to understand what those reasons are, even if you're competing, number one, with complacency that's still a competitor because then it, it, it you have to then work on establishing, even bringing to light the problem and establishing the need. You can't hit people with your product if they don't even understand there's a problem in the first place. So understanding what that competitive landscape looks like is paramount in establishing your strategy. Well, Arox, is there anything else that you'd like to tackle that we didn't get a chance to talk about today? 
I think we covered quite a lot. Just to add to what you just said, competition is not always bad. You can take a look at competition as a solution for making your product better, making your marketing efforts better, and find like something that will work for you. So you can always use it to your advantage. My advice will be try to spend a lot of time on research and data because that's where you base all your strategy on. So guys, I'm going to sum it up here in terms of what you need to do if you are competing in a saturated market. Find your niche, include the giants in your competitive landscape, and make sure your research and data set is more inclusive. Arox, thank you so much. This has been great insights. Uh, as we end every episode, I always ask our guests if they have a signature or favorite toast to send us out. I think it will be just enjoy life. <laughs> I love that one. I will absolutely drink to enjoy life. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again to Arox for joining me on this episode of SAS Half Full. Arox was in Armenia. We were unable to send her a cocktail kit, but girl was joining me for a drink anyways and poured herself a glass of wine. Much appreciated. However, we can send you a cocktail kit if interested can head on over to our friends at shakerandspoon.com forward slash half full and you can get 10 bucks off your first cocktail kit and it will be delivered to your door. Booze on your doorstep. We will do that for you. Until next time, really appreciate the listen and bottoms up. <laughs>